Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what did we talk about today? Today we had a very special guest. That's right. We had the CEO of the Tualatin Chamber of Commerce, Linda Moholt. We talked about leadership qualities in her city and qualities that she admires in others. All that and more on a new exciting episode of the Refreshing Edge podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Refreshing Edge podcast, hosted by Megan and Nicholas DeSalvo, about what businesses go through when branding, developing creative, and marketing their business in an ever-changing digital climate. It's also about leadership, company culture, building community, working with your spouse, and whatever we feel is important to share with you today. You might know Megan as an amazing wife, incredible mother, thespian, entrepreneur, co-owner, and creator of opportunities at Edge One Media, and volunteer for every nonprofit organization that exists in Portland and maybe beyond. You might know Nicholas for his love of coffee, tennis, watches, video games, and all things Portland. Hey, Megan. Hey, Nicholas. So what's on our agenda for today? Today, we have a very special guest with us. We decided to do, uh, with our leadership podcast, we decided we wanted to do a leadership series. And now we have invited some special guests along the way to help talk about uh, what creates a quality leader. That's right. So we are pretty well connected with lots of our local chambers of commerce. And uh, we reached out to some of their CEOs to see if they would talk to us about what leadership means to them and their community. Because um, the chambers of commerce are really interconnected in the local level in leadership in ways that we don't even realize. And so we felt like it was important to kind of reach out and see what the, what the temperature of the room is in each of their individual areas and uh, what, they're do- what they're chewing on right now, particularly in times of uncertainty and what they find admirable in leadership just in general. And it's really interesting to see the different focuses between the chambers. So as we go through the series, I think you guys will enjoy the different perspectives each one brings to the table. Um, so thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, Linda, tell us, uh, who are you? What do you do? And why is it important? Yeah. Hi, I'm Linda Mogul um, with the Tualatin Chamber of Commerce. I've been here almost 12 years. And over that time, it's changed dramatically. Um, from what I started with, we actually ran a gigantic crawfish festival. We also ran a shuttle program. And um, both of those were quite consuming. And then we tried to keep up with membership needs. And it was a very, very small group. I mean, it was, we were little and um, under 300 members and just, you know, trying to figure out what is our business community and our board had a very clear vision when they hired me. They wanted us to figure out, number one, what's our voice? And to make sure that we communicated that voice, not only locally, but regionally and statewide. So I was charged with developing an advocacy program. And number two, we had massive transportation needs at this end of the county. And um, I think it was stated to me that there would not be a single meeting in the entire region or state on transportation that either we had a chamber member at or I was personally at. And so like those were my marching orders. And then um, as I got to know our members, it was um, pretty obvious that they were interested in much larger connection. They had a small group and they had done a great job of being able to do business with each other, but they they hadn't expanded their network beyond that border. And they wanted to do business with much more people, many more people 
grammatically correct. Um, and so we started working on that, creating little, um, little clusters, and I kind of called them business teams, for lack of a better word, where people in similar industries could get to know each other, because I had come from a BNI background. So I figured, you know, that, that worked well, people that you know, like, and trust, and you can copy it, and with great affection, use that same strategy and model, and we started building these little teams, and the first one that we built was with our home construction group. Um, it was in the heart of the recession, and, um, you know, housing had crashed, and all the service sector that supported housing was about to go under with them. And Stan Robinson came to me and said, man, if we don't, if we don't figure something out soon, I'm going to lose a 20 year old business. So we really focused on connections, getting to know each other, building trust and then referring because I'm like, Stan, when you're in somebody's home, they trust you and they're going to say, do you know somebody that does yard work? Do you know somebody that also builds fences, decks, whatever? Um, do you know a painter? Jamie Pepio was a part of the group. And, um, Steve Klingerman, a remodeler, and we, they just started trading um, referrals. And I'm happy to say all of those people are still with us today. Um, it, it's a pretty good testimony to relationship building. Absolutely. That it is, yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of segues into the next question that we have, which um, as members we know, but um, what do you feel uh, makes the Tualatin Chamber so unique? I do think it's that care for each other. Um, I think we're a friendly group, although I think that can be misleading. I, I, I like to think that we're open to new opportunities. We're open to learning about people, not just friendly, but genuinely like caring about what that person might have to offer and how we can help. And I think most of our group really does try to lead with how can we help you? So I think that makes us pretty darn unique. Also, we like to try new things and they don't always work. And we failed a few times pretty largely, <laughs> but it's like, we like, we like doing those new things to see what might stick. And as a result of that, I think we have some pretty outstanding programming. Our women in networking group is one of them that I'm exceptionally proud of. Um, business education, we've done different ways over the years. You've seen us grow, thrive to quite a level, and then started to see some um, drop off in that particular format. So now we're looking at how we can create a new workshop around business education and include more people. So I think that we're willing to, to just step out and try things. And I think that excites a lot of people. Well, I think that's an admirable trait. I love the idea of just trying something to see if it works. Um, yeah. But you, you said that you've had some spectacular failures. What, are, what is something that you thought was going to do really well that just totally flopped? We were convinced that we could do a young professionals group. And we tried it a couple of different ways and it really blew up in a major way because of, of leadership. And um, I will say my own leadership or lack thereof, I probably gave too much independence and not enough clear direction. So leadership has to have clear direction. And I think um, our group didn't. So they, they definitely failed spectacularly. I remember dancing at one of those uh, events one time. <laughs> well, I, I think that the young professionals groups are particularly difficult. I know lots of different chambers who've tried them and none of them seem to last for very long outside of uh, whatever passion a founding member might have uh, for whatever reason. But I, I do think that the young professional groups might need a little bit more 
hand-holding than some other. You're exactly right. And um, the South Metro Young Professionals, you know, has been resurrected and there is more hand-holding. Jessica from the Tiger Chamber and Caitlin from now our chamber um, and of course Kevin O'Malley has been the kind of the impetus behind that group. And I'm starting to see some good momentum behind them again. But what happens is a lot of the young professionals, they engage, they start doing well with their business, they start moving forward, they get married or build a relationship or get job transfers or have children. And so their lives are in a, a lot of flux. And so your leadership team is constantly changing, which makes it difficult. And so you can have really great team that works well together and all of a sudden they're gone and you have to start over again. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important, right? Look at yourself, you have babies. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it does change things. Yeah, it does. Um, so I, I understand that completely. Um, another question we had for you too was, how does the Tualatin Chamber reflect its community? Um, we have a saying called business and community working together. And that was here before I came. And they always, always tried to solve problems as an entire group, um, community members, business members working together. And so I really pushed that. And especially during the heart of the recession, it was like so clear to me that if we could get our community behind our businesses, we had a greater chance of succeeding than, than if they weren't. So building those bridges, um, getting people involved with the nonprofits, making certain that they had a voice and to know that they were included in our membership or we would you know, welcome them in our membership and support them. That's been super important. And as a result, they've supported businesses. So it's been very good. The same with our school system. We have a very close connection with our school system. And over the years, that one has grown. And we now um, spend a tremendous amount of time on workforce development and have launched a program called Hashtag Work Ready. And again, it was, you know, we were willing to take a chance when we heard we had a new superintendent, took a contingent down to Springfield to see where she'd been, what she'd done, worked with the Springfield Chamber. They welcomed us with open arms and helped us really formulate what we could do with Hashtag Work Ready. So that's a program that we were, you know, super in front of and willing to take a chance on because we know that our business community is desperate for skilled workforce. And in fact, our largest employer had told um, our mayor and myself that if we didn't figure this out, we would have our every job in our community in high tech replaced by somebody from out of state or out of country. He's like, why should those jobs go elsewhere when you have wonderful kids, they just don't have the, great, the greatest skills or the right skills to land these jobs. Well, I think, I mean, I, I sort of love that idea because uh, it feels like, you know, school for so long has uh, turned out students that value a particular set of skills and maybe they don't translate always to what we're looking for as employers. Right. And um, so, uh, you know, one of the things that I would love to see taught more in schools are things like leadership and entrepreneurship and, you know, what it's like to understand business uh, in ways instead of just accomplishing tasks. I think that advocacy would be super important to teach in school. Um, what does that mean? It, when you advocate for somebody, it's not, you know, I don't see it as necessarily standing on a street protesting, although there's a place for that. 
But I think it's for real change. When you're advocating, it's policy long-term and helping kids understand what policy looks like and what that give and take is, um, it, it's, it's definitely hard for them to understand. Um, I keep a sign on my, on my wall. It says, be stubborn about your goals and flexible about your methods. And to me, that's really what advocacy is. I can work with any group. I'm going to be stubborn about my end goal, but I can be very flexible about how we get there. And so it does, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I am, I think of myself as just a fixer. I just want to take problems, take a look at them, bring the people together and solve them. And um, I think if kids were really given an opportunity, I think they would embrace that. You know, we have so many problems that need great minds from all different directions, bring them to the table. And sometimes maybe you have to lock them in a room and not let them out until they make a decision or come to consensus. But I believe that that's a pathway. Yeah. And I, and I think so too. I think it's um, interesting as someone who has come from a person who has marched on streets um, to people, to someone who's invited into rooms where policy and, and procedure um, happens. Mm -hmm. I think it's different when you have a voice at the table. And so, you know, for people who don't have a voice at the table, there's other methods that they need to take to get their, you know, um, message heard. Um, but once you are invited to those rooms and uh, to those tables, there's so many wonderful changes and conversations that can happen to help people understand um, where you're coming from. So I um, applaud you in always having stubborn goals because I think that that's, I think we all should. Yeah. And I love the idea of being flexible in how you get there because, you know, just understanding the way public policy works, there's no, um, there's no real like perfect solution for every person because there are so many intricacies to how everything works. And so to understand how public policy gets made, I think um, that's a really important thing for people to know. So it's not like a personal decision. We're trying to make the best decisions for the most amount of people to, to do the most good um, so that we can continue to move forward. And you know that might look different from wherever you sit. It really does. And I, I mean, you, we all bring our past with us to any conversation, but hopefully if you can, like Megan said, get at the table, then you might start to see somebody else's point of view and how they've, um, you know, are, are coming to the, the choices that they're making, um, their goals that they've set, why they've set them. If I can listen to that, well, it's going to reflect on how I go forward as a human being. So I think it's been a really important part. And I will say, I feel pretty comfortable that we have a voice at this end of the county. I work with people across all different spectrums from the far right to the far left. Um, today, we just sent a letter to the governor regarding um, linking Washington County and Clackamas County to Multnomah County. We also um, signed on to the, the um, Washington Clackamas County letter of all chambers, but we, we wrote our independent letter and we requested our business community to step up, call or, or email your elected officials. They need to know how you feel and how harmful this decision is to our businesses and our families that live here. And um, I've gotten lots of very positive feedback from our membership. I've also heard from Representative Prusak saying, thank you for your letter. Let me get into this. Um, I didn't realize that's where we were headed early in the week. I'm sorry, I didn't let you know. I mean, you know, basically, I mean, that's a partnership. She didn't have to reach out. But um, it's understanding that um, 
we really do have the best of intent and we want to make this place a better place for businesses. And we, I love this um, language. It says, if we can create a business friendly environment, then businesses can create jobs. And that's what our families need. Um, what do you admire about leadership in your city? That's who I admire. Um, I think integrity is really important to me and clarity. And these are things that you can find online, but out of the characteristics, integrity, clarity are probably the most important to me. Um, I'm not an intuitive person. And, and I, <laughs> unfortunately, you have to hit me over the head a few times. Um, <laughs> To understand, you know, what the point of view is. Don't you don't need to be subtle. I'm not, you know, um, sense overly sensitive. But if I understand clearly what the what the goal is, then I can get there. And I think people, other people do too. It's like making sure that you're communicating clearly. And um, I also just like smart. I mean, I will follow smart people. As long as they have integrity, there, there's, there's boundaries there. But um, like when our board hired me and they said so clearly, we want a voice. We want you to develop advocacy. We want a transportation. Um, we want to be included in the transportation conversations and we want funding to improve transportation. Well, I can point to over a dozen different projects that have gone on at this end of the county by partnering with our mayor, our city council, you know, our staff and our regional folks, and uh, we've, we've benefited from that greatly. So they might have You've got done a fabulous job. Yeah. So I get clarity. I, I like to know where we're going. I want that goal. I want, and then I can figure out how we get there. Are there any specific examples uh, and how, you know, in Twalton, those traits have manifested? Well, I think, yeah, I do. I, I think the hashtag work ready program, it was very clear when LAM Research told us we need skilled workers and it's your job community to figure it out how to give them to us. So, you know, we started down this path and we tried different things and it took us a while until we found a program that we could really get behind and that our businesses would understand. And I think even just the name hashtag work ready, they get it. I mean, in that, in the business person's mind, it is a job. When we had a, another name called STEAM, we were doing much of the same kinds of things. They didn't get it. It's like, what is STEAM? You know, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. What am I supposed to focus on? They just weren't clear. And we didn't get a lot of support behind that concept. But boy, hashtag work ready. I mean, we've written grants, we've had funding. It's, it's really well received. It's and taking we off. Yep. With it. We just adopted it. Mm -hmm. um, how could your city's leadership be stronger? Um, we have a new council, a new mayor. And so bridging that, um, I guess, that newness, helping to educate. We could be a lot stronger on working with the new um, counselors and the mayor, which I mayor has joined our board as a chamber. And it's been wonderful to have on him on our board because he's ex officio, he doesn't vote, but um, he is hearing from our point of view, what's important. Now we need to do the same thing in reaching out and talking with our counselors more. 
So I do see that as an opportunity. And I've, I've written a note that that's one of the things I'd like our group to work on. What, so we've talked about this a little bit, but this is, uh, this is the question we've all been waiting for. What are the top three traits you admire in a leader? Well, I do think I said them. Yes. Integrity, clarity, and smart. And smart. <laughs> smart. I don't, I don't know if that's a trait, but well, I guess it is. Yeah. yeah. Intelligence. Intelligence is a smart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Megan and I did this together in a previous episode where we listed our top three traits and then we revealed them to each other. And um, that went pretty well. Mine were uh, decisiveness, flexibility, and my number one was empathy. Yeah. Because um, I, I, you know, I feel like people need to be willing to make decisions and, and take a stand and not get crippled with the inability to um, just move forward. You need to be able to try things. And then you need to be flexible enough and, and humble enough to maybe walk those back if those aren't the right decisions, you know, sometimes flexibility gets confused with weakness. Yeah. But I think that maybe it could be a really big strength if you have the ability to try something and then realize it wasn't right. right. Do something right. different. That's being and then empathy. Your yeah. And then I, I thought empathy was really important because, um, you, there, you know, because all the things that we've said, it is so easy for you to become entrenched in your own position and only see one thing and not realize that so many other people come from different perspectives and have, uh, have different things affect them in different ways. And so to be able to understand where someone is coming from without, um, <clears throat> and having disagreement, you know, having a loving disagreement, something that doesn't uh, escalate to anger and resentment is important to be able to understand how you could make a policy that could perhaps uh, be acceptable mm -hmm. to a lot of people. <laughs> Nobody's ever gonna get 100% agreement, but if no, you- I think it's probably more than three um, characteristics that make a good, a really good leader, right? For sure. And none of us are going to have them all, but you hope that you have enough ability to adapt, mm -hmm. to try and figure it out. And um, I think empathy is probably a really good one that it's, it would not be my most, um, my strongest suit. And it's something I have to work on. I'm much more pragmatic and let's, you know, just keep moving forward. And I think empathy is, um, is something that I've stumbled with. So I think that's well said. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine were transparency, um, collaboration, and I can't remember my third. Passion. 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 Passionate. Yeah. No surprise, yeah. Megan. No surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel yeah. like, you know, those are those are the three that I picked, but I, I actually said in our podcast that um, it, there's dozens, you know, there's there's dozens of traits that people need um, to be good leaders, but um, but those are the three that rose to the top for me. Those are just my ideals, you know. Some people don't have certain things, and they are very effective leaders. And and some people just have a good combo. And we need we need diversity in our leadership in so many ways. And um, for me, you know, I look at the world and I I see uh, there is a, a sore lack of empathy just in general, uh, especially online. It's so easy for people to post things 
you know, post anger, just react in anger. It is a difficult time. There is, it's an uncertain time. We've suffered maybe the greatest shock to our economy in its history. There's a lot going on. There's, you know, civil unrest. Um, Lots of our issues are come are boiling over. And um, I think if we could react maybe with a little bit more empathy, uh, we'd be better served. Um, I started in 2008, which was in the heart of the recession. And I'm, I think it's no secret I'm going to be t- retiring in January and I'm ending in COVID. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, um, you know, from difficult to the best economy ever to the worst, like you said, maybe one of the worst. And um, those people that were willing to have the empathy and reach out and help others, I think are the most successful at survival. And I see that they've continued to be able to build the relationships and move their organizations forward. So I think that's really well said. Thank you. <laughs> like, well done. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Um, that, that wraps up what our questions oh, were for you. Yeah. Tell us how someone um, gets a hold of the Tualatin Chamber. You can call just our office. Ask for me or Caitlin. Caitlin Q is our membership director. And uh, we're here to, to just help you figure out how to help your business grow. If you liked what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. Follow us on the socials. At Edge One Media. At This Is Nicholas DeSalvo. Or at Megan DeSalvo. 